Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hello, it's good to be back. And today I have a very interesting story, a wonderful gentleman, and he's from my homeland. So take that into account. His name is Chris Buswell. And he goes by C.G. Buswell because he's an author. He's a former Army combat medical technician and a staff nurse, I assume, in the military. Now, during a posting to the Cambridge Military Hospital in Aldershot, he began hearing tales of the Grey Lady Ghost. He worked on pediatric intensive care casualty and medical wards there. He never saw her, but I believe that's what led to his writing career. That's all well and lovely. It's not why we're here. As you know, our stories can be heart-wrenching and the one bright light for me is that we tend to here look for the hope that I find in the stories that we share with our guests. And our guest today most definitely has an important story to tell. So help me welcome Chris. Hello, Elaine, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, You're in Aberdeenshire in Scotland. I did mention you were in my homeland because that's, uh, I don't get an awful lot of guests from, or I haven't had an awful lot of guests from Scotland. So that part is good. Uh What I would like to do is, first of all, mention that Uh, You do have a complicated story, and there are different bits that will tweak the hearts of everyone, but there are pieces, too, that can bring joy. Is that not right? Yes, yes. So without further ado, I'm going to have you dive in and, and start wherever seems most appropriate to you. Um, Okay, thank you. Um, Yeah, I I lost my son Angus to suicide um, seven years ago. Um, And it's been a long seven years uh, for for all the family. Um, Lots of therapy for all of us, Uh, lots of tears, um, lots of depression, anxiety. and each of us either contemplated or tried suicide uh, in those seven years. Um, so yes, <laughs> so it's been a long path. Um, 
along the way I developed military PTSD um, from my nursing days and my army days um, and that led to me getting a, an assistance dog called Lynn uh, and she's a golden retriever from the Bravehound charity um, and that's what led me on to your podcast because you you followed me on Twitter I think it was uh, uh, so thank you for the invite well thank you very much and and I, I want I want to sort of um, give a little history on that. Uh, I have a Chihuahua. Uh, first Chihuahua we've ever had. She came to us with uh, certain issues. And yet she saved us. Because, you know, it, it's a long road in life. And, and uh, my, my husband had lost his Yorkie at 18, four years before, and he just could not foresee having a dog. So I thought, oh, we'll change the breed and maybe that'll help. Uh -huh. Well, what it's done for us, the diva Chi has her own Twitter account and her Instagram account. And she saw Lynn at your service dog's account. And that's how we found you. And the other day, we suddenly saw that you had a book and there was something so important for her connecting to Lynn was because of our podcast and your terrible loss gave us something in common, not just our dogs. And that, that journey for you, this, these past seven years, there's a, a lot has happened in, in you're, you're talking about PTSD and and you you got the dog. Um, you did have a dog before, correct? Yeah, we had a lovely black um, uh, flat coated retriever. Ah, and, okay. yeah, and she passed away th three years before Angus passed away. Ah. Um, but her her ashes are actually in Angus's coffin. Oh. So I like to think that they're together somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to make this too painful for you, but were there were there signs? Were there in in hindsight when you look back, were there things that Angus had perhaps you know, dropped hints, or had you seen anything that you later thought, "Oh, maybe we should have seen that"? Um, not, not to us. Um, he didn't. He, he was still a bright, cheery, happy-go-lucky chap, uh, still working in his job. But um, we learned later that he left his job a few weeks before. Oh. Closed down all his accounts online. He tidied his flat out. He gave away all his possessions. Wow. Um, and you know he he did it quite. Um, he really wanted to end his life, so he just, yeah. he just tied up every loose end that he could. Um, and then he, he he took his life. Uh, and he he emailed the Samaritans. I don't know if you have that in Canada. Um, no, we don't. It's like a it's like a phone line or an email account that you can talk to, right? And, and they listen to you, so anyone can ring it. Um, 
when you're in need. But he he emailed the Samaritans to talk to, to say to them, "Can you get the police to my flat? I'll be I'll be dead oh. by the time you come." Oh. Um, and he he taken his own life in the meantime. But unfortunately, the email hadn't got read for several hours. So by the time the police got there, there was nothing they could do to to save them. Um, so yeah, um, so we got the knock on the door at one o'clock in the morning oh um, to say that he'd, he'd taken his own life, um, completely out of the blue. Uh, and in, in Britain, the police investigate every suicide. Yes. Um, so they, they literally put a massive bolt and a padlock on his flat a door so we couldn't get into his flat for two weeks um oh my god it was like a limbo a limbo um yeah. we just didn't have any answers and there was lots and lots of questions i'm sure yeah said the same um but it wasn't until we got into the flat that we found a torn up uh draft of his suicide note oh um which the police hadn't taken away um Ironically, they'd taken every piece of paperwork from, from his flat that they could, yeah. um, but they didn't take this. Um, and we'd asked the police that if there was a suicide note, and they said no. But he'd actually written one to his friends to explain why he'd taken his life and uh, not to tell us because he wanted to protect us from the, oh. what, what had happened to him. Um, I, I don't want to discuss what happened to him, but he was the victim of a crime, a really heinous crime. Um, and he couldn't recover from it. Oh. Um, and he'd kept that from us as well. Um, and he had a really close relationship to his sister and even she hadn't been told. Um, so it was it was just awful. Um, well, well, one thing as, as someone looking in from outside in everything you just said what a kind caring individual to take the time to be sure all bases were covered and and you know calling writing to the samaritans to be sure the police would get there and not have a friend find him yeah. and like it it's just so that's so so loving he loved you very much yes yes and then we loved him very much that's that's very obvious yeah and it it's so heartbreaking when we there are two kinds of people people that something happens and they go and talk to everyone and then there's those of us who think we have to fight our own battles all by ourselves and we go inside mm. and try to manage everything and make sure everybody else is okay and it's it's definitely not the way to be and it's so sad that we're sitting here now talking about Angus who who had to be a pretty wonderful person to go to all that trouble to make sure everybody else would be in his mind okay yes yeah 
And how how is your daughter doing? Um, she's had quite a up and down, um, yeah. but she's a very, very strong lady. Um, so she was studying for a degree uh, when Angus took his life and she, she managed to finish her degree. So she's got a degree in uh, fine art, um, but she's now studying um, as a result of having that degree, she was able to get on a course for another degree because um, one of the criteria was you had to have a degree in some subject. Right. And she's now studying to be a counsellor, um, which I think is a really lovely, lovely yeah. legacy for Angus. Oh, that really is. And and was she younger or older than Angus? Uh, she was two years younger. Well, about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Well, and and that that is an incredible legacy. Yes. Yes. For Angus, that that she is uh, taking that path and it's she must also be an incredibly strong human being she is she's she's one of the strongest women i've ever met um, oh. yes i'm very proud of her yeah. that's good that's good and you and and your wife and of course lynn uh -huh. um you're well, obviously making making your way you 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 seem to have come through somewhat. What yeah. were yeah, what were the what were the steps that you took or or the people that you reached out to perhaps that were able to help you and arm you with the tools to manage? Yeah, that's that's the thing about bereavement. Um you, you find the kindness of strangers and we found it through charities and through our general practitioner, our doctor, the family doctor. Um, so the family doctor got us on various uh, pathways of care. Um, so I, I went to counselling um, and, and that led on to my diagnosis of military PTSD, right. uh, which led to me having psychotherapy. Um, so I had eye movement desensitization reprogramming, ah. re EMDR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had that for about, I think it was about two years, a year and a half. Wow. Um, it was very intense, very, very painful, very, very raw, yeah. um, but very therapeutic. Um, so I would urge anyone just to battle through it. And, yeah keep with it um, but I've also had um, two courses of one-to-one -one counseling mm -hmm. with uh, two different counselors through Health for Heroes which is our military charity right um, and they funded all of that for me um, and uh, that, that's kind of been my pathway but as a couple we also had uh, help from the Compassionate Friends charity um, so we attended a, a weekend retreat where it was um, trained trained uh, volunteers who uh, talked to us about bereavement, about suicide and loss, uh, helped us understand things. But also we met other couples who were going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very beneficial. And I think that's a worldwide charity. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Because um, my favourite author is David Morell, and he's unfortunately lost a son to suicide, but I think he's Canadian-American as well. Yeah. And he volunteers and he speaks for the Compassionate Friends. Compassionate Friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. That's the first time I've heard of them. Ah. Yeah. It's so important, and, and I'm glad you, you mentioned a number of them, because it's so important for us to understand that there is help out there. Yes. There's a lot of help out there if you just start looking. Yes, and, and the first step is just accepting the help and accepting yeah. your, your illnesses. Um, which is a bit ironic because I was in denial of my military PTSD for years. Um, and, and it just took everything just crashing down on me to, yeah. to, to get the help. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting that you word it like that military PTSD, because I thought that was the only kind of PTSD there was. No, no. Yes. I, no, I, I yeah, I thought the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can remember um, the. I was diagnosed with PTSD a, a, a while back, and I remember saying, "I can't have that. I, I've never served. I'm I'm not military." And the doctor said, "What are you talking about? Like this has nothing. It's not just military." It was like, "Oh, yeah." yeah. yeah so that that was quite the eye opener. Because yeah. it had never occurred to me that, that that would something could qualify outside uh, of military experiences. Yes, yes. Uh, and I've also got it from seeing Angus in the in the mortuary. Um, so you get the personal aspect of PTSD yes. as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's a real uh, for me, there's a real um, two sides to that. I believe that being able to see our loved one after the fact gives you a form of closure that may take a very long time, but you can process, I think, a little better when you do not have access when there is no closure, yeah, it's really hard to get past. Yes, yeah. That that was one of our other problems with myself and my wife Carla. Um, although we saw Angus in you know hours after his death in the police mortuary, that that was to identify him. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of rushed. Um, oh, yeah. we, we were told we would be able to see him at the undertakers. By the time he got to the undertakers and he'd had the examinations, um, the undertaker would not let us see him, even though my wife and I were nurses. He said, no, you yeah. cannot you cannot see your son like this. Yeah. Um, so we weren't able to hold him, hold his hands, brush his hair, do anything for him. Um, and that was particularly for my wife. She. She was in denial that Angus was actually buried where he was. Yeah. And that took a lot of her therapy sessions up. Yeah. Um, 
so she had therapy with a, a, a bereavement charity um, called Cruise. Um, I don't know if it's just a, a UK one. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But again, that was through the, the doctor. The doctor said, look, why, why don't you go here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had a, a wonderful doctor. And, and I think that's a really important point. And I think it's wonderful that, that Carla got help because there are so many people who don't get that closure and don't realize that causes its own issues. Mm. And, and, you know, people, people go on living with things that they, they are unaware can be addressed. And I think, think that's that's a bit of an issue as well which to me comes back to the fact that suicide has by and large been something very hushed it's not something we talk about it's not something that we ever prepare for and part of doing this podcast and why I have wonderful guests is because I believe we have to actually get rid of the silence, the stigma, and the shame surrounding suicide. And we need to start when children are young so that they can understand not every thought that runs through your head is real. And secondly, just because the thought is in your head doesn't mean you have to act on it. Hmm. Making the talk more normalized means that children will reach out sooner to talk to somebody. Because I think that's really what we need. It's not always going to help, but it, I believe it can make a bit of a difference. Because we're just, we lose way too many people. Yes. Way too many. Yes. So, you, you are obviously going ahead. You're living your life. You have a, a very wonderful daughter and wife. And you have Lynn. And you're an author. Yes. When did the the when was the first book written? Um, that was written in two thousand and fourteen. Okay. Um, and published in two thousand and fifteen. Okay. So this was before you lost Angus. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. About a year before. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, you're in a, a sort of unique genre, you're writing. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted. Um, I'm afraid I, 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 put my, uh, I put my demons onto my pages, um, so it's horror. Um, up until the self-help book that I wrote. Uh, yeah. that, that's a bit more gentle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting. And, and the reason I brought it up is because, you know, sometimes 
we try to help ourselves in ways we don't even realize. Mm. And, and that genre to me it is basically you were trying to help yourself over a PTSD you didn't even consciously acknowledge. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for, for decades I've had nightmares and I've seen people that shouldn't really be there or shouldn't be yeah. there. Um, but I've been so busy getting on with life and I've tried to just put it at the back of my mind yeah. and, and try and cope. But the trauma of losing Angus just tipped everything over um, and it just went full, full on. Um, yeah. 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 But, you know, lots of therapy, lots of help. Uh, I'm with Lynn by my side. Uh, I'm in a much better place. Um, oh, I'm so I'm so glad to hear that because yeah. the statistically we are much more likely um, to consider suicide when we have lost someone we love. Yeah, and and I'm afraid I'm part of that statistic, and I think yeah. it's thirty percent um, who complete yeah. suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the the consideration is much higher, but yeah, the com the completion. I think it is yeah. around thirty. Yeah. And well, I I first of all, I have to say thank you for I hate to use the term soldiering on, but getting through it, and and being smart enough to get help. Mm. I wasn't at the beginning. I really had to be dragged to my doctor's kicking and screaming. Uh, yeah. And even even when I was told by specialists that I have PTSD, I said, no, I don't. And I was like you, I said, I've, I don't, I didn't, I didn't go into combat. I was a nurse in, in the military. So I looked after people. Um, I was never in any danger. I couldn't possibly have PTSD. But, you know, it, it took lots and lots of therapists, community psychiatric nurses, uh, counsellors to say, no, you do, you do. But, you know, I do. I have to admit it now. <laughs> well, yeah, and when, when you think about it, the horrors of war and, and combat and what have you, the people who are immersed the most deeply are you, the nurses, the doctors that, that tried to you know, desperately to put people back together, that there's such a, a level of, well, to me, inner fortitude that, that you have to have to be a nurse, and thank you to you and your wife. I think that at the core of you is a, a very, very strong, survival instinct that didn't allow you to to simply bow out yes um i think resilience is, is a good word for it, it. is yeah very yeah. good word yeah and Do you still talk to people now about what you went through, about the different, not just low points, but high points as well as you 
came through this very, very traumatic time in your life? Um, yes, I last, I last had therapy, it finished in December. Um, and that was another intensive therapy. And that was through Health for Heroes, the charity. Right. Um, and as a result of that, I've now uh, joined their fellowship um, meetings. Um, so I can go to coffee mornings and chat to other veterans and, and the team leaders. And so that that's very good to have that social um, bonding. Um, yeah. And I've got that with Brave Hound as well. So um, I go up and down to, to different training sessions oh, and, and meetings. Uh, so Lynn's recently done a, a scent training course, which was very good. Oh, wow. And so we can chat and, uh, you know, chat about things that are. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's excellent. And, and it may give others the opportunity to, to say how they truly feel. Yeah. yeah. Because it's always easier when you know there is someone else. You know, our, our darkest times are always because we feel we are so alone. Yes. Even uh, even surrounded by loving family and friends and what have you, uh -huh. when, when your pain, be it mental, physical, or emotional, is so much that you can't bear it, it can be the hardest thing in the world to reach out to another human. Yes, we we don't want to admit that we can't cope. It's uh, yeah. a yeah. human feeling, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, we we're this youngest generation is starting to learn that talking to others, telling people how you actually feel, not just the good stuff. Is, is actually very worthwhile and mm. can definitely help. Yes. I'm, I'm a lot older, I'm 67. So when, when I was young, you, you did not share your thoughts, your feelings or your anything else. It just, it was not the done thing. No, no. No, you, you just stuffed that down. <laughs> And soldiered on as best you could. Yeah, it's it's a whole new world, and that part I I am very thankful for. I am also thankful that you are here with us today, and I know this this is also a way of honoring Angus mm. and what you do with his legacy and what his sister, what is his sister's name? Abigail. Abigail. What Abigail does going forward. What, what a, a beautiful legacy to come out of so much pain. Yes. So let's shift gears a little and let's talk about the uplifting book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get into the horror on my own time, but okay. let's talk about the uplifting book. Yes, I, I wrote it um, 
between therapies. So it, it was before I went to Help for Heroes, but after I'd done psychotherapy. Um, and I want, because I, I couldn't find a self-help book that um, addressed military PTSD and grief. Yeah. Um, but particularly a father's grief. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have a bash at writing one. Um, and it was very, very therapeutic. Um, so they've got relatively short chapters, but there's lots of them. Yeah. Uh, and they cover they cover my story of uh, being in the military, losing Angus to suicide, and our path to learning to live without Angus and learning to live with this medical condition. Um, so I've got things like mindfulness, medication, sleep, uh, earplugs, uh, noise cancelling headphones. Yeah. Um, I've got the charities that helped me a huge amount about Lynn and about the Bravehound charity. Um, yeah, so I, I, I hope by the end of it that people who read it will have a, a greater understanding of PTSD, a greater understanding of suicide, but also the means to help themselves uh, and help themselves cope, but also where to go for help. It, it, that That is so critical and it's I think it's wonderful that you've included all that um, so far only read the first chapter but you have a beautiful style of writing which I think is also really helpful uh, because it's it's quite uh, conversational it's not preachy it's not like it's it's a factual account written in a very beautiful way. Thank you. And I want our audience to know that all of the links, all of the information, and as usual, all of the helplines that are out there, we will make sure are in the transcript of um, today's podcast. I will make sure that uh, Helpful Heroes and Brave Hound and the Compassionate Friends and all of those that Chris has given us. I'm going to make sure that we have links for all of those as well. Um, if in fact the charities are on both sides of, of the Atlantic or, or the Pacific, I'll make sure that we have those links as well. I think it's critically important that we share the information we have and let people know it's really important to reach out, talk to someone, and by that, I mean anyone. Just talk. Don't keep things inside. Chris, I thank you so, so much for being with me today. I, I wish you all the best with this latest book and with all of your others. I, uh, I, I look forward, actually, to reading all of them because... Horror is one of my genres, so <laughs> which is not surprising, I suppose. Uh, if uh, you could leave the audience with one little tidbit, something they can implement in their daily lives that could be helpful, what would that be? Um, I, I think I'd like to leave them with hope. Um, there is hope out there. Get help. Um, connect with people, connect with nature, 
um, and be mindful. I think that would be my message. That's absolutely beautiful. I thank you so very much. Thank this you. Has, this has been Chris Buswell. As an author, he's known as C.G. Buswell, and we will have links to not only Lynn, the book, but we will have links to where you can find his other books as well. I'm Elaine Lindsay. I thank you so much for being with us today. And as per usual, make the very best of your today every day. And I'm going to see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Croon, motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City. On the stage, Judy draws from her wealth of performance experience, wit, and insight to entertain, inform, and inspire in her dynamic keynotes and half-day workshops.